You're listening to episode number 249, and today we're talking all about energy and sleep with one of my favorite guests, Dr. Michael Bruce. This is the Made for Living Well podcast, hosted by Alexa Sherm, the place to create a life well-lived. Welcome back to this podcast. As always, my name's Alexa, and this is the place where I believe you were made for living well. Today on the show, we're going to talk exactly that with leading expert, the sleep doctor, Dr. Michael Bruce. Now, the reason I believe you were made for living well is because I think everything you need to live healthy is already inside of you. It may not seem like it right now. You may feel like you have a long ways to go, but we have to learn to start working with our body instead of fighting against it because your body has what it takes. We just need to learn to live that out. Now, today on the show, we're going to talk exactly that with Dr. Michael Bruce as we dive into energy and sleep and when to do different things like exercise and work out and what that means for the health of our body. Today is a fascinating subject if you want to learn more about the nitty gritty of actually when to do things. Now, Dr. Michael Bruce has been a previous guest here on the show. I'm going to link up the previous podcast in the show notes because we do mention that quite a few times inside the show. But Dr. Michael Bruce is known as the sleep doctor. He is a clinical psychologist and both a diplomat of the American Board of Sleep Medicine and a fellow of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. He is one of only 168 psychologists in the world to have passed the sleep medical specialty board without going to medical school. He's been recently named the top sleep specialist in California and one of the 10 most influential people in sleep around the world. He's on the clinical advisory board of the Dr. Oz Show and the author of the book, The Power of When. He is amazing and has so much to talk about. And inside the show, you're really going to learn how do you implement this into your life. So stay tuned to listen to that. But before we get to today's show, I do want to remind you that you can find all of today's show notes and links over at thelivingwell.com. I also start to talk about the power of when. When you do certain things changes the outcome of your life. And I break down a few of those body types that Dr. Bruce talked about inside the show over there. So head on over to thelivingwell.com to check that out and to get all the other episodes inside this podcast series. Yes, I think I forgot to mention, this is a podcast series on eight life-changing health tips you need to know. This is number six, so we've dove in a little ways, but this is number six. Last week, we talked about sexual health. The week before that, the nervous system. I mean, there's so many great podcasts here, so make sure you follow along to learn all about those health tips. And next week, we're gonna talk about a metabolic eating plan and then one final show before we have a little break before the new series comes out. Now, if you're loving the show, I'm so glad you're here. We have some great things coming up. So again, stay tuned at thelivingwell.com and make sure you share this episode and all the episodes with your friends and family. Take a screenshot, share it on social media, and tell them why you're loving this show made for living well. But for now, let's get right to today's show and welcome Dr. Michael Bruce. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Michael Bruce. I'm honored to have you back on. And if I must say, I think you're up there as one of my favorite guests and also one of the top to listen shows, which I'm going to link back up was all about sleep chronotypes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. 
Today, we're going to spin that a little bit um, and talk about your latest work, which is a huge passion of mine. And it's, it's this idea of energy. And right before we got on the show, you said like, sleep can't be the most important thing of the day. It has to be sleep because then we can get out and live, right? Using that energy. Exactly. So I just want to know, like, can you talk more about that? Like, where did you get this concept of energy as this foundational component and what that means for our health? Well, so it was it was kind of interesting. So I have a co-author on this book. Her name is uh, Stacy Griffiths. She's the founding trainer of that uh, internal that uh, exercise bicycle soul, soul cycle. Oh, yeah, place, yeah. You know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, we so she had been training me and I'd been helping her with her sleep. We've known each other for quite a while. And she said something to me one day that I thought was really interesting. She said, you know, my patients tell, or clients rather tell me that they're exhausted. Um, and, and I was like, exhausted, like right after they work out with you or just exhausted in general. She's like, no, they're exhausted, you know, hours after they've worked out with me. And, uh, and so I said, well, how are they sleeping? And she said, you know, I really don't know. I, I don't ask them a lot of sleep related questions. And so then I came back to her a couple of weeks later and I said, you know, I started asking my patients, how did they feel during the day? And some of them said they were exhausted. I asked them, and she said, well, are they exercising or are they moving? Mm-hmm. And I was like, again, I don't ask those questions. You ask those questions. So we both started asking different types of questions to our client groups. And we were like, oh, shit, um, this is a problem, mm-hmm. right? Like we have to marry these two ideas of exercise and sleep, because if you don't sleep well, your motivation for movement is in the toilet. Like, I mean, you're just not going to get up and do a whole heck of a lot. And that really pulls you out of a lot of the important things you want to do in life, Mm -hmm. right? Like everything from visiting with friends, spending time with people. And we started to say, you know, exercise can give you energy. Sleep can give you energy. We know that there's got to be different types of energy out there. Why don't we combine forces and write a book. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much what we did. Yeah. Um, but the first thing we had to figure out was what is energy? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, that was a that was a challenge because to be fair, sleep is kind of easy, right? There are cycles, there are stages, there are thousands of researchers all, all over the country, all over the world researching sleep, right? It's easy to metric something like that. But how on earth do you do you measure energy? Mm-hmm. So we sat back and we started thinking about it. And I I came up with five different types of energy. We only go over four in the book, but I actually came up with five and I'd like to share them if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, please share them. Mm -hmm. So the first one is obvious, fuel, right? Food, right? That that kind of makes sense. We need that kind of energy. Obviously sleep and or rest, that is a a form of energy. Um, Movement was Stacy's thing, right? Because she moves you know, here, there, and everywhere all the time. Um, But then we also talked about emotional energy. And that was a very different type of topic. Now, as you might remember, I have a PhD in clinical psychology. So I'm big into that whole idea of emotional energy and how do we change that? The fifth one was spiritual energy. Um, To be honest with you, that's a whole book. Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) And and I'm, I'm not down for doing that book just yet. I might get there one day. But as a sleep specialist, I felt like I don't, I didn't think I could really represent that area of the literature as well as I wanted to. So we decided to stick with the four different energy types. And now here's the other thing that's kind of funny. And I think I mentioned it to you is people don't show up on my doorstep um, saying, Hey doc, I got too much energy. Mm, Right. (laughs) Right. Like that never happens. Right. right? Uh You know, like I'm sleeping too much. I've got too much energy. Oh, sleeping too much might be narcolepsy, but that's a whole nother story, you know, but like rarely does somebody say, Hey, I've got so much energy, you know, whatever. And so I said, okay, well, it sounds like people don't know 
when this energy is going up and down. So I said, well, let's, let's measure it. Cause you know me, I'm a data yeah. guy. I always want to collect some information and try to figure it out. So we started using something called the RPE scale, which is the response of perceived exertion. This was made by a guy named Dr. Gunnar Borg. And this is an old scale. This is nothing that I came up with. I want to be very clear. This is a validated scale, but what it does is it gives you an idea of how difficult it is to do an exercise, right? How much exertion are you doing for a bench press or a leg lift or, or, or something like that? We thought that that level of, thinking about exertion and how much energy you are using was a good scale to use. So we, we adopted it. Um, and what we said to people was, all right, we want you to track your energy five different times throughout the day. So right after you wake up, maybe before lunch, after lunch, before dinner, and then before bed, because we wanted to get kind of a good range of things to figure out like, where are people losing their energy? Because most people don't wake up with no energy, yeah. although some people do. And sometimes we think they might have a sleep disorder yeah, because right. of it. Right. So understanding when in your 24 hour cycle you're having low energy became important. And so with me, I'm always about assessment. So we said, look, set your phone so that you have an alarm that pops off five times a day and just do a zero to 10. And we're going to teach you what this RPE Gunner Borg scale is. So we had people start to do that and we, we started to learn some really cool stuff. Right. So certain people, based on their chronotype and turns out based on their body type, have different energetic profiles, if you will, right? So some people who wake up in the morning, let's say that they're a lion chronotype. If you remember, that's the early bird chronotype. Those people are brimming with energy yeah, in right? the morning time. <laughs> I mean, they just, they're, they're, they're jumping out of bed at 4.30, 5 o'clock. By the way, I think that's crazy yeah. just between you and me. Um, but then you have a night owl like myself, right? And like, I hate mornings. Like, don't talk to me in the morning. I don't want anything on. I want it to be quiet. Like, it's a very different energetic profile based on my chronotype. So we start, let's, let's dig in. Let's start to figure it all out. And so we sent out this body type quiz to 5,000 people who had already taken the chronotype quiz. Now, let me back up for a second and explain body type for just a heartbeat to all of your listeners. And then I'll go into chronotype as well. So for folks out there who may or may not remember, back in high school biology, you probably learned something called a body type, either an endomorph, mesomorph, or an ectomorph, right? That, 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 that's a, those are words that might be back in the back of your head somewhere. So let me remind you what those are. And by the way, those are genetic. Those aren't something that somebody just made up. So an ectomorph is somebody that's long and lean. A mesomorph is somebody that's a little bit more V-shaped. Their shoulders are a little bit bigger than their waist. And an endomorph is somebody who's a little bit thicker. They carry weight on their, on their hips or on their buttock area or a spare tire around their waist. Now, for folks out there who are listening or even watching, one thing to remember is there's an easy way to figure out what your body type is. So you just take your wrist, right? And then you take your hand and you take your thumb and your second finger and you wrap it around your wrist. If it touches just like that, you're a mesomorph. If there's a space, you're an endomorph. And if it overlaps, you're an ectomorph. So wrist size is one of those great physical markers. And by coupling it around your finger, you'll start to learn very quickly what your body type is. By the way, Stacy actually assigns um, different exercises based on people's body types to keep their motivation going, right? So as an example, if you're an endomorph, you got a little bit of extra weight on you. If Stacy turned to you and said, hey, I want you to go run three miles, how motivated are you yeah, to right. do that, number one? Not very. And number two, how likely are you to do it ever again? 
not vary, right? So she would use for body type of an endomorph, she might say, let's do resistance exercises because you've got a little more bulk to you, you're probably a little bit stronger and we can get you to succeed there and motivate there and then continue to move forward. Because the goal here is not to beat somebody up. The goal here is to do something that's fun, interesting and, and flows with your whole energy and then allows you to be able to accept that energy and, uh, and move forward. So we decided, all right, we're going to send out this quiz to everybody who's already taken my chronotype quiz and figure stuff out. So very briefly, what is a chronotype? So for folks who might not remember, go listen to that previous podcast that we did together because it was awesome. We had so much fun on it. Um, there are four chronotypes. Now you might've heard of the names of the chronotypes, but never heard of the word chronotype before. And if you've ever been called an early bird or a night owl, those are chronotypes. So my contribution to the literature about six years ago, I write a book called The Power of When, um, and you can actually take a quiz and learn which one of four different chronotypes that you are. So if folks want to learn that, you go to chronoquiz.com. We'll put that into the show notes so people can be able to, uh, to get to that quiz. But the four chronotypes are these. So early bird turns into a lion. I mean, let's be honest, who doesn't want to be right. the queen of jungle, <laughs> right? It's the best, right? Um, in the middle are bears, by the way. I wish I was a bear. Bears have the best chronotype because the entire world works on a bear's schedule. 55% of people are bears, believe it or not. That's incredible, yeah. Wolves, that's night owls like myself. That makes up about 15%. These are your out-of-the-box thinkers, your creatives. Like if you know anybody who's like artistic or creative and you say, when did you get your inspiration for your last song or piece of art? They never say two o'clock in the afternoon. They usually say two o'clock in the yeah, morning. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> because that's who they are. They're those night owl, those nighttime people. The book was really written for the fourth type of chronotype. I call them a dolphin. Um, and these are my folks who've got insomnia on the genetic side of things. And so they were born with not great temp, what we call temperament. And so their sleep schedule is very difficult. They wish they had a longer sleep drive. Their sleep drive is very short. Oftentimes they diagnose themselves as insomniacs, things like that. So here's where it got really interesting is you took the four chronotypes and the three body types and you work them in together. Guess what? We learned a whole lot of stuff. So one of the first things we learned is that lions, remember those are our yeah. early, early morning people, almost never endomorphs, the thicker people, right? That's interesting so in and of itself. You said they're almost never? Yeah. Almost never lions. So people who are in that endomorph oh. category, rarely want to get up at 4 35 o'clock in the morning start their day are focused on health things like that kind of starts to make a little bit of sense right um the most popular person uh that we found out there was believe it or not i think you may fall into that category a meso bear mm -hmm. um so that's with the mesomorph body style but in that bear chronotype turns out that's actually the easiest one to be because there's so many good things that kind of go yeah. along with it mm -hmm. and it makes up like 55 percent of the population mm -hmm. anyway which is kind of cool yeah. um so we learned about those types of things which i thought was also was pretty yeah. fascinating but what we did was we were able to identify here are movements that people enjoy doing and i want to be very clear the book has really got three major sections to it so we use uh, body type and chronotype in intermittent fasting. And I'll be honest with you. The reason why we chose intermittent fasting is because nutrition is just too big yeah. of a topic. Right. And there's so many cultural differences and different things like that. And so what we said is choose the diet or, or plan that you want for living and eating, and then do it within a certain period of time. 
Um, there's a lot of data now looking at time-restricted feeding and intermittent fasting and the positives that it has for our bodies in terms of uh, burning uh, brown fat, uh, white fat versus carbs, things of that nature, something called autophagy, which is where we clear out the inside of our cells when we're fasting as opposed to eating carbohydrates all day long and never giving ourselves a break mm-hmm. to, uh, to actually rejuvenate and things like that. So we did intermittent fasting for that. We did sleep chronotypes, which was from my last book, but brought it forward with some new research. And then we did this thing, a movement schedule. Now I want to be super clear. This is not an exercise routine. Like nobody's going to sweat during this thing, but you're going to actually move. Mm -hmm. So I tell everybody moving is the, well, smoking, sitting is the new smoking, Mm -hmm. right? So we got to get up. We got to start moving around. And so what we do with people is once you measure your energy during those five times of of the day, we have you do that for about seven days. We kind of flip the script on you and we say those five times are now going to become your movement times during the day. And we have five different movements that we have people uh, go through. If you'd like, I can go through the movements. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting way to break it up because when I was reading through the book, you really did break it down in a unique way. If you want to kind of explain what that is, because it's very different from what's out there. Yeah. So, so again, this is about moving and not about sweating. And so what we want is we want to change your energetic profile by having you move. And so I want to, I want to double tap on that concept and then I'll break it down into the five different movement categories mm-hmm. is when you're sitting or zooming or whatever it is that you're doing, you ain't moving. Yeah. Right. And, and you've got to give your body breaks in, in, in that concentration mm-hmm. in order for you to actually retain that information in a very positive and a productive way. Um, And so what we decided to do was we said, we don't want anybody to sweat because we want them to do these movements five times a day. So those five times that you were checking in on your energy turned into your movement times. So the first movement time, we asked people to do stretching. Kind of makes sense. Hopefully you've been asleep for six, seven, eight hours. Your body's a little stiff, right? It's a good thing to stretch. I personally do my stretches while I'm brushing my teeth. Uh, in the morning to conserve time because I have a very specific morning routine. But if people have got five minutes, because that's all it takes, do, doing a few stretches absolutely kind of lubes up the joints, right? Kind of gets things going and allows you to uh, move a little bit better. The second one is called a shake. Um, and so a shake is literally shaking your hands, shaking your legs, shaking your arms, moving them in this direction. What this does is this improves blood flow uh, and it increases alertness. So we, we love people doing this around the 11 o'clock range. Um, and also if anybody out there has a dog, you'll, if you ever seen a dog after they wake up, you know, what do they do? Yeah. They do that crazy Shake, shaky yeah. thing, yeah. right? And that wakes them up. It changes their energetic profile. So we're just kind of doing exactly like what my French bulldogs do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for the shake. Um, after lunch is a bounce. Um, and it's exactly what it sounds like. You bounce up and down. You can skip. Um, I will tell you, I've been skipping through my neighborhood. My neighbors think I'm crazy, but it's a <laughs> lot of fun. Um, and it's very energetic. Like you do it for two or three minutes and you're like, this is really like my whole, like I'm breathing better. Like I'm outside, I'm in the sunshine. Like all that stuff works great. If you're in a cold environment where you can't do that, go into your closet or your basement. You probably have a mini trampoline that you mm-hmm. bought a million years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Use that and bounce up and down on that, you know, run in place, skip rope, whatever it is, but bouncing will definitely help energetically uh, change your change your mood. 
Then right before dinner, we do what's called a build. Now, this is where we use a major muscle group like your pectorals or your glutes or your hamstring. Once again, I want to be clear, nobody's breaking a sweat here. It's just about moving those big muscle groups to get them uh, lubed up and not as stiff as they once were. And again, this changes how your outlook, because if you were sitting there doing your taxes and then I ask you to go and do a build exercise like squats or sit-ups or push-ups, you don't think about your taxes anymore, right? And so you get a break from that to change your energetic profile. So when you come back to it, you have a new perspective. The final one is a balance. Uh, We ask people to do it right before bed, um, like a tree pose or something along those lines. And the reason we do that is you can't think of anything else when you're trying to balance. And we don't want you thinking about a whole lot when you go to bed. So is the specific movements, like, are those... I mean, obviously they're each doing something different, but those need to be followed at that time of the day because of the specifics of why, what they're doing inside the body. Exactly. And so, and it's based on their chronotypes as well. Right. And so we, we, it it took a little fidgeting and to be clear, the science is a little fuzzy, right? It wasn't like this exact thing where we said, okay, wolves should be doing a bounce at this particular time. But what we did do was we mixed it up a little bit. So everybody starts with stretch and ends with balance. But in between those three in between, mm-hmm. those can vary based on your chronotype as well as your body type. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's funny because like, if we look at kids, I have little kids and I'm like, oh my uh-huh. gosh, they're always doing this stuff, right? Like they're exactly. always so random in their movements. And sometimes I'm like, but is that just their natural tendency of their bodies just asking for that? Like, so I would argue Maybe. probably uh-huh. yes. Right. Like, I mean, look, all of these movements, like, quite frankly, if we took the movement section of my book and we brought it into like a preschool, Mm -hmm. they would, they would be like, come on, doc, I've been doing that for years. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. They know how to have fun and move. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. Yeah. So I think this is interesting because I think so often, I think energy in the health space is a relatively newer topic, right? And coming around to that. And we often think of energy as like just this filling, like calories and, but it's, it's a movement. It's a flow. Yes. Which I think if we can start to see that in a different way, we can recognize that it's not just about what we're necessarily doing to our body, but how we're living that out. Does that make sense? It does make sense. It does make sense. You know, one of the, and so I I completely agree with that. And one of the things that kind of dovetails nicely into that conceptually is that concept that I I brought up earlier of emotional energy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so I, I, if I can, I want to double tap a little bit on that. Yeah. I think it's huge. I mean, we can't talk about health anymore without talking about that. And even the spiritual side, like you said, is coming in. Because we're starting right. to see, like, we've tried all the food and exercise things and that works to a degree, but. Right, right. Diet and exercise are great. And I'm not saying there's anything yeah. wrong with them, but at the end of the day, that's not how you want to live your life. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You want to live, not yeah. diet. You want to live, not right. exercise. You want to live. And you know, emotionally not- speaking, that affects our sleep patterns more totally. than most things. Can you yeah, yeah dive into the emotional side of things? Because I think it's really, I think it's awesome that you put this in your book. Groundbreaking. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Well, it's, it's definitely different from what a lot of other people would think. And, and to be fair, I think a lot of it has comes from my PhD psychology background um, and really dealing with emotions during sleep and before sleep and after sleep and sort of how does that look, but let's, let's talk about our energetic emotions, right? So let's be honest. There are people in our lives. I call them emotional vampires. Okay. So (laughs) So we all know who they are, right? There are people in our lives that literally suck the life out of us, right? 
Now, there's two categories of those people, by the way. There are people out there who are just needy, needy, needy people. Then there are people out there who are really your friends, really people you care about who are going through a tough time and they need your help and support. Both situations are going to occur to you on any given day, by the way. And how do you recover from that emotional drainage that has occurred with your interaction with this person, right? Because what happens is, is they pull so much energy out of you, it changes your motivation for the day. You may not do the things that you were going to do because now you're thinking so much about what's going on with them. So we have to switch you around to bring you to a more positive emotional, energetic profile. So question is, how do we do something like that? Mm -hmm. So you mentioned your kids. I rely on my kids for a lot of my ideas. And my son actually taught me how music is a great um, emotional uh, energy lifter, right? And so we had terrible, terrible mornings here at the sleep doctor household, waking our two children up for school. I had two teenagers at the time. By the way, if anybody out there has teenagers, I'm so sorry for you, okay? <laughs> There's nothing easy about teenagers, right? And, and it was hell. I mean, we would, we would yell and scream, come on, get up. You're going to be late for the bus, blah, blah, blah. You need to drive, all these different things. Uh, we could never, we could never, and I'm the sleep doctor. We'd never get it straight. So I finally turned to my son and I said, okay, Cooper, you're the morning DJ. And this is how this is going to work. You can turn on your music. You can only turn it on at 7 a.m. on the dot. You get to pick whatever music and you can put it at whatever volume you want. And the whole house has to listen to your DJ music. Mm -hmm. He loved mm -hmm. that idea. Okay. And so all of a sudden, and my daughter wanted to do it on the other day. So he did it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, daughter, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, or whatever. And um, it turned out to be really fun. So my son is an eighties throwback kid and he want, he would play beastie boys. You have to fight for your right to party at seven o'clock in the morning, but you know what? We were all dancing around having a good time. Like it wasn't this emotional, terrible situation that we've been having with our children every morning surrounding sleep. It was what are you going to play tomorrow? That was awesome. You know, here, eat your breakfast type of thing. And it changed. I mean, I feel the emotional energy changing in me just talking about yeah, it, right? It just, yeah. it changes the entire profile of what's going on with you. So identifying those things can be really, really important. Mm -hmm. um, another big one was laughter, right? And so my, again, my son does this to me. He, he thinks he's going to be a comedian one day and he sends me these jokes um, on, on my phone, like a, like a joke a day type of thing, right? It's very valuable. Number one, some of them are really funny. Number two, my son is reaching out to me every day. Yeah. That's valuable to me, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like that's more valuable to me than just about anything else. So yeah. now I have a communication going on with my son and he's making me laugh every day. Yeah. So again, changes my entire emotional profiles when I'm dealing with a difficult person I can reach down to my phone and be like, oh, Cooper sent me a joke. I'm going to see what that is. And it mm -hmm. boom changes my whole, my whole universe. Mm -hmm. So looking for those types of things that you can keep on you at any given time will really work. And, and it doesn't have to be, um, you know, something specific. Like sometimes it could just be turning on the radio. Like you ever notice when you're driving and you turn on the radio and one of your favorite songs comes on, you're bopping around, you're having a good time. You're even singing sometimes, right? Maybe your kids are in the back singing or whatever. Again, changing the energetic profile uh, emotionally really takes a great positive toll on people. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden they're motivated to do other things. Yeah. Yeah. What have you noticed some of this stuff? Has it helped your dolphins, those insomniacs to reach better sleep? Like, have you noticed a switch in chronotypes 
or, you know, so remember mm -hmm. chronotypes are genetics. Mm -hmm. So people can't actually switch out of their chronotype. But one of the things we have seen is that some people are dolphins without meaning to be dolphins. In mm -hmm. fact, what happens is their schedule, their stress, their boss, their work is push them into a schedule that's very similar to a dolphin. Once we get them on this energized program, mm -hmm. what we actually find out happening is their true chronotype comes mm -hmm. out. And so a lot of times they're like, oh, I was thinking about this a different way. I wasn't sleeping at the right times. And once they kind of click, click, click those things. And just to be clear, this is not a major deal for mm -hmm. people. Like we give you a very slow entry into the process. We have you start with one thing, then we bring on another thing, then we bring on another thing. So it's not like, oh my God, I got to change everything about my yeah. life right now. Mm -hmm. No, 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 not at all. It's very step wise. You start to move through the steps and it's actually quite easy to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It's so fascinating work. So I, like you said, I'm a bear mesomorph. Yes. And one of the things that I learned in there is I feel like my sleep pattern, I go to bed earlier because I think I need to wake up earlier to fit it in my day, but you mm -hmm. really have the sleep at, I think it was 11, 10 till 7 a.m. Uh -huh. And yep. I, I, before I read the book, I actually had told my husband, I'm like, I feel like if I could just sleep till seven every day, it would be a much different person. <laughs> I haven't done it yet because I'm you like, gotta try it. I gotta do it. I gotta do it. Cause I know it's one of those topics that I think when we talk about this, because life is so set for, like you said, just those bears right. that it's hard in our minds to conceptualize. Can I get it all done? Can I fit it all in? Huh. And one of the things I like about energy is like when we really utilize energy, we get a lot more done in a less amount of time. And right. it's not like, I think we fail to recognize how little we get done just because we're so deprived of energy. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, I think, I think what you're speaking to, and I, and I love the fact that you're calling this out is motivation, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, how do I stay motivated throughout my day to get all of those things done that I feel like I need to do? So number one, having more energy certainly allows you to yeah, do right? more tasks. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's number one. And number two, I would actually argue that after 30 days of the program, you're going to figure out that some of those things that you really thought you needed mm -hmm. to do, you don't really need yeah. to do them because now you have energy and your motivation is in a different place or a different way. And, and it really is changing people's ways of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. This is a, this is a lifestyle yeah. book, right? This uh -huh. is a book about having clean, consistent energy throughout your day where you don't have to have, you know, four Red Bulls in the morning to try to kick off your day and be energetic. Like that, that's not being energetic. Mm -hmm. That's being addicted to caffeine. Right. And, mm -hmm. and those are very different ideas. And so I'm interested in that whole natural flow of energy. And, and to be fair, there are some people who are going to have a higher flow and some people are going to have a lower flow, mm -hmm. right? If you have an undiagnosed sleep disorder, that's going to be a problem. So the very first thing you're going to want to do before you start with my book, I want to be clear. If you think you have any idea that you could have a sleep disorder, you need to talk with your doctor about that because my energy program is not going to work for you. If you've got undiagnosed sleep apnea, as an example, mm -hmm. um, or insomnia, as an example. Um, so I, I want people to know and understand that the other, uh, a cautionary tale, um, is that because I do a lot of work and the book is, uh, surrounds intermittent fasting, I want to be very clear for people out there who struggle with eating disorders. This is not an appropriate method. Okay. You and your doctor have had, have got a good idea of exactly how you should be eating and what you should be eating and what you shouldn't be eating from an eating disorders perspective. This is not the time to change over and try something new. You need to talk with your doctor about it and make sure that your doctor is okay with time-restricted feeding, which most of them, if you have an eating disorder, probably are not. 
Um, and so you want to, you can cut, you can take that part of the program and do it just the way your doctor says you should and still do the movement and still, uh, do the sleep. Yeah. I, uh, I like the circadian fasting or the intermittent fasting, mm -hmm. because I think it, it also shows you take intermittent fasting, what has become a very, you know, sexy diet term and you've turned it right. into, but hold on, there's, there's a point in time when our each cell of our body uses energy and a time for rest and healing. Can you just dig into more of that? Like that our yeah. cells have a circadian clock and why the circadian oh, yeah. clock is important. <laughs> so, so the best way I can do that is I think I can give you an example of myself. And one yeah. of the things that happened with me with my circadian clock and with intermittent fasting mm -hmm. in particular, as an example. So I've been an intermittent faster for five or six years. Um, and, um, I, I started out and I talk about it in the book. I started out doing it crazy. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm not, I don't, I don't believe in this stuff. I'm going to eat a pint of ice cream every single night for a month. <laughs> yeah. And I did it. I'm yeah. going to be honest with you. It was awesome, but I got really sick. Yeah. <laughs> Just too much dairy. <laughs> um, for sure. I mean, I had to do it for science. You know, yeah. I had to eat that Hagen dazs for science. I know you're feeling sorry for me, yeah. um, but, but I did that. Um, and, and I didn't gain a pound which was interesting to me. I was like, that's amazing. And so then I said, okay, well, I'm a night owl and I can't eat in the morning times. Like I, I literally physically cannot eat. I, I get sick. And so I, I don't usually eat something until 1130, 12 o'clock, sometimes even 1230, one o'clock in the afternoon is when I first start to get hungry. So then I said, well, I'm a wolf chronotype. Mm -hmm. Of course I don't have an appetite then. So I rotated my intermittent fasting to match up with my chronotype and it worked better. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was unbelievable. Not only did my, did my weight start to go down a little bit, which was the goal, but I changed what's called my set point. Mm -hmm. So for folks out there who know and yeah. understand, everybody's body has something called a set point where it's a comfortable weight that your body likes to be at. Mm -hmm. It may not be exactly the weight you are interested in being at, but your body says, hey, this is the weight that I'm comfortable at. You can actually change your set point over the course of time. And there's ways to do that. But eating on a chronotypical schedule is one of the things that helps mm -hmm. with that. So all of a sudden, my body was performing better. I wasn't feeling bloated. I was eating you know, good whole food, healthy food on this intermittent fasting schedule based on my chronotype. It became very interesting. Now, the other thing that was cool was we, we layered in body type into intermittent fasting. Now, this was something that nobody's ever done before. But we basically used body type as a marker to know where to start in terms of the length of your intermittent fast. So this is, I've never seen this done in the literature anywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty cool, yeah. right? Yeah. So our ectomorphs, remember our long and lean people, they are going to have a 12 hour fast and a 12 hour feed, right? Because they don't need to lose weight. They just want to keep their body, you know, energetically toned, right? The mesomorphs, that's what you are. Actually, that's what I am. Mm -hmm. We have a tendency to um, have a, maybe lose a little bit of weight, but we're maybe just fit up, you know, mm -hmm. tighten things up a little bit. So for us, we were going to have a 14 hour fast with a 10 hour feed, the endomorphs who have a tendency to have a little bit more weight on them and are looking to lose weight. Most of the time they would do an eight hour feed with a 16 hour fast. So you notice what I did there is yeah. based on your body type, we changed the length of your fast so that it's appropriate to you. Then we move it based on your chronotype and then things really start to work yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it just shows, you know, like there's a time when our cells are, are using energy and burning energy more. Like there's a time to eat and there's yes, a yes, time yes. not to eat. It's not a yes. dieting thing. It's a cellular thing. 
And, and what's interesting about that is different cells react in different ways and every single cell has their own circadian clock in it. Mm -hmm. So what it's doing is it's looking for signals. So if there's a cell in your liver, it's looking for a signal from your pineal gland. If there's a cell in your stomach, um, it's looking for a different signal to know when it's supposed to go. Mm -hmm. And so all of our cells have this potential in them. And once we figure it out, it's literally like unlocking the key to mm -hmm. your body, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> because yeah. all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is cool. My body burns fat here. It adds fat here. So I don't want to eat during this period of time. Mm -hmm. My body does better exercise during this period of time. Um, that's aerobic and does better exercise during this period of time. That's anaerobic. So I'm going to rotate up my workout. Right. Those types of things are mm -hmm. things that we can do and really fit them into our schedule in a unique way. You know, it's the novel idea of just working with our body instead of thinking we know, right? Like <laughs> mother so nature, sense, right? right? Yeah. Like I always tell people, mother nature is a bitch. Don't piss her yeah, off. Like right? go with the flow. Okay, guys, like your chronotype is just your flow, right? It's your genetic flow, your body type. That's again, your flow. So honor yourself, mm -hmm. honor your body. You'll be surprised at how much better it works. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to try the sleep thing. I'm going to do it. I'm going to test wait. it out and tell you how it goes. Okay. I want to dig into caffeine briefly because yes. this has a huge impact on our overall cellular response. And yeah. I, I've, I've kind of like battled with it a little bit and sure. there's research on all sides of it. There's thoughts on all sides. Yeah. And I mean, we could probably both say, you know, what works for you, but and when it comes to energy, where's the line between natural energy and synthetic energy? And yep. what do you say about caffeine and, and what is it ro its role in place in our lives? <laughs> so number one, so here's the thing. Caffeine has no nutritional value whatsoever. Mm -hmm. It is an additive 100%, right? And so we don't require it to survive. So let's we, we need to start, <laughs> yeah, start with there. that as an idea of, <laughs> By the way, everybody, caffeine is not essential for your living. Mm -hmm. uh, to be clear, you can live without caffeine quite easily. Um, so that, that's number one. Number two, it's easily the most abused substance out there. Um, there's more people drinking caffeine at the wrong time of day, doing the wrong things to themselves than ever before. I think the biggest thing we have to do is we have to educate people on the facts of how caffeine works in our bodies. Then I think we can be responsible in our use of caffeine. And there's even one instance where I would combine caffeine and sleep together. And I'm gonna explain that to you in just a second. Yeah. Right. So caffeine in general, remember it's got a half-life. So for mm -hmm. folks out there who are not digging into the science every day, like I do, what a half-life means is it's the amount of time that a compound is in the human system before it gets um, digested and excreted. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's called your half life. So half of the compound is still in there. By the way, the half-life of caffeine is between six and eight hours. Mm -hmm hours. It's a long time. You yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't feel the caffeine, but it's mm -hmm. still on board and it's still functioning inside your cells and making your cells do different things that are excitatory. So that's again, number one, number two, the quarter life. So this is a new statistic that I recently learned. So when 25% of caffeine is left in your system, 12 hours, Wow. 12 hours. So yeah. if you drink a cup of coffee at nine o'clock in the morning, 25% of it is still on board at nine o'clock at night. Even though you're not feeling it, this is what's tricky you, about it. Exactly. Yeah. And you, especially you're not feeling it, mm -hmm. but it's excitatory to your brain, right? So a little caffeine goes a long way mm -hmm. inside your body, right? And here's another thing that's kind of interesting. 
So my doctor, the, the woman who takes care of me, um, she, she and I talk about this all the time. She likes to have a, a cup of espresso before bed. Okay. And I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. You're crazy. You've got to stop this. And she's like, Michael, I don't, I don't absorb caffeine. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That's mm-hmm. impossible. So we actually ran the test. She was right. She has a disorder where a specific enzyme pathway that we were able to test for doesn't work. She could drink four espressos before bed and the caffeine would never have an effect on her. So there's caffeine sensitivities that I want to bring forward to people. That's something that we, that's fairly recent that we've learned. So while I'm talking about the half-life, I've got some patients where if they eat a chocolate kiss, they're up for three days. I got another patient who could drink a pot of coffee and go to bed, right? So- we really need to understand our bodies and how our bodies react to said caffeine. Mm-hmm. The, the final way uh, is, is the combination, right? How do we use caffeine and sleep in combination with one another? So I came up with the trick. I call it the Napa latte. Okay. Yeah. So you take a cup of drip black coffee. Okay. No sugar, no cream, um, because you don't want to disturb anything. Throw three ice cubes in it. Drink it as fast as you can. Close your eyes and take a 25 minute nap. I'm going to explain the science to you. So when a cell eats a piece of glucose, something comes out the back end. One of those things is called adenosine. Adenosine works its way through your system and accumulates in your brain. When you look at the molecular structure of adenosine and the molecular structure of caffeine, they're off by one molecule, Mm. which is kind of crazy. Like the substance that's in your brain that makes you sleepy is one molecule off the substance that keeps you awake. That in and of itself is a mystery to me, but we can use that to our advantage. So when you take that nap, you burn through that adenosine that's been sitting there. The caffeine is waiting in the wings. It clicks into that receptor site. You're good for four hours, guaranteed. Mm. So I call this the Napa latte. There's a new product out that actually does one better. It's called Napa Jitsu. Have you heard of this? I haven't, no. Mm -mm. Oh, you're going to dig this. So it gives you 110 milligrams of caffeine in a sustained release. So very similar to a cup of coffee, but it also adds three or four, I think it's 400 milligrams of nootropics. So ashwagandha, reishi, like a couple like good memory stuff, like um, ginkgo biloba. And so what's cool is you wake up, you've gotten some sleep, you have some energy, and now you have focus, Mm -hmm. which is kind of cool. So there are ways to incorporate caffeine into our, into our lives in an appropriate and healthy way. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to watch how much caffeine you're putting on board because it's just going to have an effect. Now I will give you one other hack is that there is an enzyme in broccoli that helps you, um, uh, um, uh, digest the caffeine faster. So if you do happen to have caffeine late in the day and you eat some steamed broccoli, it could actually be helpful. Oh, that's good to know. (laughs) I'm one of those that I can drink a little bit in the morning, but if I get too much or like past noon, I'm like, my night sleep is toast. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say people a lot of times don't think about their sleep until 30 minutes before bed, mm. right? And they mm-hmm. kind of use sleep as the shock absorber of their life. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm having a long, stressful day. I'm not going to go to bed until midnight because I got to get shit done. You know, that kind of thing, as opposed to I'm going to bed at the time that I need to, so I can reduce my stress, things like mm-hmm. that. And so I think a lot of people out there need to really start thinking about in the morning, planning for your day at night, right? Mm -hmm. And so knowing when those cutoffs are, and we talk about it a lot in the book as Mm -hmm. well. Yeah. So when we talk about sleep, I think, I mean, our body runs so much on cycles and our energy is so cyclical. Is there like a 
like the ultimate set point? Like is sleep like that point that changes the entire day? Or could you say it, it's a number of different things? Like, is there it's a hierarchy here to energy? <laughs> so that's the problem. Is it uh-huh. so multifactorial? I mean, yeah. I already labeled the four different energy mm-hmm. types that can come from any direction, right? And so think about it like this, like you could sleep well, you could do, follow your intermittent fasting, but you could get a phone call at seven o'clock in the morning that could throw your emotional energy yeah, completely right. out of whack. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So having that full on energy all day, I believe just takes a little bit from each one of the different areas. So mm-hmm. movement, uh, sleep and fuel. I mm-hmm. think those can be very, those can be kind of set from a discipline standpoint. Mm-hmm. You got to watch out for the emotion that comes flying in right. um, to your given day, stress, positive or negative, by the way, mm-hmm. you could learn that you just won the lottery for a million dollars, but then you're going to forget to do all the other stuff you're supposed right. to do during the day. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so again, following some certain guidelines and steps, a little bit of discipline in there, and then learning about the emotional aspect of it as well. And, and to be fair, that's how I think about sleep, right? Mm-hmm. So now, now going back to just looking at sleep, there's really two aspects to sleep that everybody out there really needs to understand. There's discipline and then there's acceptance, okay? So discipline is waking up at the same time every day based on your chronotype, right? Avoiding caffeine by 2 p.m., stopping alcohol three hours before bed. Those are the discipline things mm-hmm. that we wanna do. But by the way, you can do them all and sometimes they don't work, mm-hmm. right? So I'll give you a perfect example of what happened to me the other night. Um, my daughter called and things weren't going well. And she was really upset. And I talked to her before bed, but I didn't sleep well. Uh (laughs) It doesn't like if something's going on with my daughter, guess what? Michael doesn't sleep too well or my son. So there are things that can happen. And that's where the acceptance has Uh to come in where it's okay to get a crappy night's sleep every once in a while. Mm -hmm. If you can follow the guidelines over the course of time, There's no question in 30 days, I can give you as much energy as I have now. And to be clear, I've had no coffee. I've been up since 545 this morning. It's 1045 now. So I'm five hours into my day. And this is my level of energy. I haven't eaten yet because I'm on my intermittent fasting schedule. Haven't had any caffeine yet. And I've been doing interviews and hanging out with people all morning, right? You can do this in 30 days. It's not as Mm -hmm. hard as you might imagine. Again, we give you a stepwise way to get there. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so much easier than changing what you eat because it, right. I mean, it this is really where health becomes simple in a way. Yeah. We like to overcomplicate it by having all these details. And I'm sure you get that, but but you're still not telling me what to eat. And it's right. but so much of energy is the win. Um exactly. and I mean the win exactly. changes. You can talk all day about like that's why I have a hard time with meal plans for my clients is I'm like, but I can give you all this, but if you eat at the wrong time or in the right wrong emotional state, it doesn't matter. It. Oh, exactly. And and well, and you know, eating in a particular emotional state, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's exactly what we're talking about. That's that's emotional energy going the wrong direction, right? Is when you're in a, a bad emotional state and you're eating to feel good, right? That's not where you want to be. That's not the reason that you yeah. want to eat, right? Yeah. So you, you're already tapping into some of these ideas and spreading them out across for other for other areas of your clients, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's really a full body approach. And and to me, that's what the health space has been missing is not just look, we're so zoomed in onto specific systems, but even you to take sleep and expand it and recognize, but there's so much more. And sleep is so about much. living <laughs> and seeing that. Like when you look at health, and I think writing this book, like what excites you for the space? Like, what do you want people to know that you feel like it's been missing? Well, I think there's a couple of things that I think people, so number one, you nailed it. 
-hmm. follow your body. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you said it right. Like, isn't it amazing that we're just, (laughs) you're just telling people to follow their body. Right. Like this is, this is the thing is people really need to think through this. Like, you know what to do. Mm -hmm. Like, don't be foolish. You know what to do. You know how to do it. If you need a little bit of guidance from a coach or from a doctor, that's great. Right. You know what you need to do. Um, Figure it out and, and just, you know, commit to it. You know, maybe you need a commitment partner to help you out something along those lines. I will tell you, everything gets easier if you start with getting your sleep better, mm-hmm. right. right? Because then, because then you're, you've got something in the daytime, mm-hmm. you've got some energy, you've got some motivation, but when you're dog tired mm-hmm. and you just drag an ass all day, like it's hard to be motivated to mm-hmm. do anything. So I always recommend to people start with your sleep. Um, I also think there are other areas of research that are interesting to me right now. Uh, one of them is cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, I live in California, um, in Los Angeles, where it's recreationally and medicinally legal here. Mm-hmm. So lots and lots of people use cannabis for sleep. And so I want to make sure that they're using the right kind of cannabis and doing it in the right mm-hmm. ways um, for them from a healthy perspective. So I think that's something relatively yeah. new on the horizon that's been coming through. Not to interrupt you, but have you seen yeah. a lot of good results with it? So, I'll, so here's what's interesting about cannabis and sleep. And I'm happy to double tap on this for mm-hmm. a second. So I started out looking at cannabis and sleep for a very particular population, specifically uh, veterans. Mm -hmm. So I've worked in the, I worked in the VA early in my career and um, I've never, you know, PTSD is terrible. Um, And and one of the hallmark symptoms of PTSD is disrupted sleep and nightmares. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was fascinated when I was doing my residency, I worked on the addiction um, I, I worked in the addiction unit and the sleep unit. And so we were, we were back and forth at the VA constantly. And what we discovered was people who are in an active theater of war, there's a switch that seems to pop in the back of their head. And that's what keeps them alive. Mm-hmm. And that switch doesn't turn off. And when they come back home, they're still searching yeah. and yeah. switching and doing all of that stuff. Cannabis, believe it or not, seemed to help. Now, I want to be clear. We're not out there to get people stoned, okay? This is not like a recreational, hey, let's all get high and, you know, talk about philosophy, which, by the way, is fine, too. This was specific to helping them turn off their brain. Mm -hmm. That was the thing that we found uh, most interesting in in that particular group. Now, I will also tell you that the research on cannabis right now is in its infancy. Mm -hmm. Um, There's almost nobody out there who's done any type of decent clinical trial to take a look at that, or at least not published yet. I've heard rumors that there are a couple of them going on. So I'm hopeful that people will start to uh, put that research out there. But right now, here's what we know is CBD, which is a big, very popular item. It doesn't do shit for sleep. Mm -hmm. You need 120 milligrams of that in your system before it actually has any, what we call soporific or somnolent effect. Now I will tell you that a lower dose of CBD can help with inflammation and can help with pain. So if you have pain or inflammation that is blocking your sleep, taking CBD and reducing that pain and inflammation might tangentially help your sleep. But to be clear, it's not putting you to sleep. Mm -hmm. The the ingredient inside cannabis that does appear to have quite a bit of promise is called CBN. Um, This is actually oxidized THC, so old weed. Mm -hmm. Um, So for folks out there, if you bought some marijuana at some point in time and you didn't use it all within, uh, let's say a 30 day period and it turned brown, that used to be called dirt weed, Mm -hmm. that is CBN. So that is oxidized THC. And basically, if you ever tried to smoke any of that stuff, you basically just fell asleep. That's pretty much what it does. Um, But we have to be careful because we don't want too high of a THC content in the marijuana. And here's why. 
THC lowers REM and increases heart rate. So we have to be careful about the amount of THC. So what you're looking for, if you're in a dispensary and you're looking for something like this, is you want something with CBN, CBD, and low THC. You do want to have some THC. I want to be clear about that. I've yet to see a CBD or a non-THC product do any real good Mm -hmm. in anybody uh, without some THC. We need THC to lower that level of anxiety, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. So in the States where it's not legal, like Iowa, like there, we see a big influx of like hemp CBD, but that doesn't have the CBN in it. So it's, it does not, it does not. Now the good news is I believe that CBN is legal in all 50 States. Mm. So you could go, if it's not available in your state, check the guidelines, please. I don't want anybody to get in trouble out there, but um, I believe that you can bring it back as CBN only or Mm. CBD only. I believe those are available in all 50 States. Um, but THC is the one that's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Outside of cannabis is, have you found anything else that's been wildly effective for the majority of people in sleep? I mean, there's like so, magnesium. I mean, you can yeah, think of relaxants, so, but. So what I do with people is I try to figure out where their body is before I start adding stuff mm, to it. Yeah. So when I do my assessment, the very first thing I do is I run blood work. And I want to know where your vitamin D is, your magnesium, your iron, and your melatonin. Mm -hmm. Those four things are the things that really are quite helpful on my side of the fence to know what's going on. My philosophy is quite simple. If you're deficient in something, I want to get you back up to normal levels Mm -hmm. before I add anything else. Because what if that was the problem, right? right? So like, Mm -hmm. what if the magnesium deficiency was the thing that was making you have shitty sleep and we Mm -hmm. fix that? And guess what? Your sleep gets better. Yeah, right. (laughs) Like we don't need to add any extra Mm -hmm. stuff. So I'm I'm a very um, uh, non impact Mm -hmm. um, on your sleep person. I want to get your body functioning back to where it was. So let's say we, we clear out all the deficiencies, but you still have bad sleep. Then we're going to start to look at what type of bad sleep. You have a hard time falling asleep. Do you have a hard time staying asleep? Do you wake up too early? Because those are three separate situations that might require different types of either supplementation or behavioral techniques, or in some cases, medication. Now, I want to be also clear about something. As a PhD, not an MD, I'm not a big fan of medication, but people, there are people out there that need a pill to sleep and there's nothing wrong with that. I want to be super duper clear. That's a conversation between you and your doctor. If you and your doctor have decided that for a period of time, you should be on a sleeping pill, then you should be on that sleeping pill. Mm -hmm. Don't misguide your doctor. Don't stop taking your pill out of nowhere. Cold turkeying off of sleeping pills will almost every time give you what's called rebound insomnia. You're looking at three to four days awake and it's miserable. So I always tell people, look, if you're not comfortable, if you're taking a sleeping medication right now and you're not comfortable that you're taking it every single evening, talk with your doctor about that Mm -hmm. and see if you can create a taper schedule to get off of that medication. There are now proven behavioral techniques, no medicine necessary, where we can get people sleeping better if you just follow the guidelines that we ask Mm -hmm. you to do. And it's a lot more than sleep hygiene. It's called cognitive behavioral therapy for Mm -hmm. insomnia. And there's lots of research on the effectiveness of it. And believe it or not, it's more effective than medication Mm -hmm. because when the medication stops, you still have the problem, mm-hmm. right? With cognitive behavioral therapy, you actually solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Oh my gosh. This is such a full picture approach. We are running out of time. I have so many more questions, but this is a fascinating topic. I think before we go, like what are a few steps, obviously getting the book, um, it is yeah. fantastic. And I love Thanks. that it's not just 
all the knowledge without what do you do? It really yes, tells you what to do. <laughs> Um, but what are a few things that you feel like in your new research since chronotypes mm-hmm. and starting this, like what are two or three things that you're like, man, this is really I got five. Okay, go, go. You got it. Step number one, wake up every day based on your chronotype. So go to chronoquiz.com, figure out your chronotype and wake up at the right time. Notice I didn't say go to bed, wake up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because your wake up schedule sets a timer in your head for your melatonin to kick off again. And you have to do it seven days a week, okay? None of this sleeping in on the weekend, okay? It's just going to mess you up, right? So step number one, wake up at the same time every day, seven days a week. By the way, you will find things to do in the early morning on Saturday and Sundays that you didn't know you actually wanted to do, (laughs) right? Like read a book. Um, You can do muscle relaxation, yoga, scripture, whatever your thing is, you'll be surprised. Step number two, stop caffeine by 2 p.m. You're a caffeine drinker, just cut it off at 2 p.m. Please, it, I promise you over the course of time, it will give you higher quality sleep. Step number three is to stop alcohol three hours before bed and limit yourself to about two drinks. Let me explain why. When you go over two drinks, you're, you get a buzz. When you get a buzz, your brain spikes cortisol because it doesn't know why you're buzzed, right? And now you're an energetic drunk. You're not going to bed, right? So yeah. keep it to two drinks. One glass of water for each drink. Give yourself three hours at the after the end of the last drink and you're good to go. So if you have dinner at, let's say, 6.30 and you want to have a nice glass of red wine with your whatever your meal happens to be, and maybe you even have a second one and you're done by 7.30, 8 o'clock and you go to bed at 11, you're perfect. Like mm-hmm. you just nailed it. You were able to enjoy yourself yet still have good sleep. Step number four has to do with exercise. You know me, I'm a big fan of exercise. I don't really care what you do, but you got to do it, okay? But you don't want to do it too close to bedtime. You won't want to, because you would raise that core body temperature up. And remember, sleep follows the core body temperature down, right? And so around 1030, our core body temperature drops. And so we really want to make sure that we can do that. So exercising right before bed increases that core body temperature, makes it tough to sleep. So exercise daily, but step number four is to stop exercise four hours before bed. Step number five has to do with wake up. I'm going to give you three things to do every morning for wake up. I call it the three 15s. So the first thing is 15 deep breaths. So sit up in your bed, swing your legs over to the side, put your feet on the floor. I want both feet touching the floor. If you're short, scoot up. Okay. And 15 deep breaths just to wake up your respiratory system and become present for your day. Step number two, on your bedside should be about 15 ounces of water. Most people don't know it, but sleep in and of itself is a dehydrative event. You lose almost a full liter from the humidity in your breath, just breathing out all night long. Mm-hmm. So basically, if you if you had alcohol before, which is a, dehyd- you know, a dehydrator, you sleep and then you drink coffee in the morning, you're gonna turn into a raisin over the course of time. Mm-hmm. So do me a favor and drink some freaking water. Um, the third thing is go outside and get 15 minutes of sunshine. Now you're gonna think, oh my gosh, here comes, he's the California doctor, he's going all woo woo on us. Let me tell you exactly why I'm having you do this. When sunlight hits your eye, you have a specific cell in your eye called a melanopsin cell, which turns off the melatonin faucet in your brain. This removes brain fog like that. So if you have a foggy, terrible morning, going outside and getting direct sunlight will actually help you with that immediately. Now I can appreciate the fact that I'm in California and some people might be in Maine, you know, or New York or Wisconsin where it's really cold right now and they might not be able to get outside. Artificial light will work as well or stand by the window. 
Um, to be fair, most windows actually lower the amount of uh, frequency of light quite a bit. So if you can open your window and get that direct sunlight, even just for 15 minutes, you're going to be in really good shape. You can buy a light box. I keep one in my, uh, my briefcase uh, when I travel because it helps me with jet lag. But those are the five steps. And of course, the sixth step is buy the book, please. Yeah, I wrote it. Yeah. I need people to buy it. It'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. And it's a fantastic book. It's very action oriented. Yes. Definitely worth reading. Can you tell us where we can learn more about you and where we can find the book? Of course, it's all going to be linked in the show notes, but just so you for can. For sure, for sure, for sure. It. So people can go to energizemyself.com and you can take my energy quiz and you can order the book right there. Um, it's available on Amazon. And if you want to learn more about me um, or your chronotype, go to chronoquiz.com. Dot com and my website is thesleepdoctor.com. So you won't forget that one. And the sleep doctor can lead you to any one of the other ones. So if you just show up at the sleep doctor, you'll find all the goodies. Yep. It's perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on again. It's been an honor. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for what you do and putting this out there to your tribe and getting people healthier. We we have to have people like you who'll help us disseminate this information. So it was my honor to be here. I wanted to say thank you to you and your tribe and wish everybody sweet dreams. I love Dr. Michael Bruce and all of the information he brings in such a relatable and practical way. And I hope you learned so much from the episode just like I did. Now, he talked about energy. I love energy. It is like the heartbeat of health. And coming up in the next series, we're going to dive into an energy reset. I'm calling it the health reset, but it's really about re-regulating your energy, creating balance and health inside of your body. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. More details are coming out very soon. And if you want to learn more, head to thelivingwell.com, sign up for the weekly fill and get all of that information. And while you're over there, check out more information on sleep and using sleep to energize your body in today's show notes. You'll also find a link to all of Dr. Michael Bruce's information, his books, The Power of Win, and his latest book, Energize. Go from dragging to kicking it in 30 days. Now, there's one more thing that I want to tell you. I told you inside the show that I was a bare mesomorph. If you want to learn your chronotype and your body type and what that means for you, head to the website energizemyself.com and take his quiz to learn more about what chronotype that you are and what that means for you. Now, honestly, all of the information you need is inside of his book, and it's definitely an easy read. It really does break down each person and helps you to understand when to eat, when to sleep, when you should move, and that movement plan that he talked about inside this podcast. You can learn all about that inside of his latest book, Energize, and you can pick that up on Amazon, Target, or wherever books are sold. So make sure you head on over to the show notes, check that out, and go to energizemyself.com to learn more about the book and the movement of energy Dr. Michael Bruce is talking about with his co-author, Stacy Griffith. So check that out. And don't forget to come back next week as we talk about metabolic health and metabolic diet and what that means for your life. And of course, coming up, we have the energy reset. And we also have this summer, the sexual health talk called the sex talk that we're going to dive into all summer long. So many good things. Thanks for being here. And I will see you back here next week.